Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. All right. Welcome to the Friday Habits. Woo. All right. Ben, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man. Doing good. It's uh, another day in paradise here in Virginia. I love the the cool weather now. It's been been awesome. That's right. Well, hey, uh, we got an awesome show for our listeners today. We have yes. the great guys over at Edge of the Web Radio Podcast here on the Friday Habit. And Aaron Sparks is with us. Uh, he's the owner and president of Site Strategics, a company specializing in high-end web services for small and mid-sized businesses. He's also the creative force behind the Edge of the Web radio podcast, which interviews recognized thought leaders in marketing and technology uh, and is broadcast weekly to a worldwide audience. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, I got to ask one question. How in the world do you know that we're great guys? <laughs> That's true. I haven't really talked to you yet. I just, I just listened to some of the podcasts and, you know, seen some of the video content. We could be, we could be <laughs> jerks over here. And I mean, all, if we're getting invited to somebody else's party, somebody else's podcast, we can like throw chairs around, right? I mean, we can make a mess of the whole thing. That's true, then you can just thing. leave. <laughs> It's not our show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, you know, thanks so much for, for being on here. Hey, I got a question for you. Uh, <laughs> You're more than welcome. More than welcome. Go ahead. All right. Would you rather live for a thousand years or live for only 30 years? <laughs> what? Oh, what kind of question? <laughs> wow. A thousand years or 30 years? It depends on how I use those yeah, years, true. right? If I, if I'm a if I'm a thousand years, kind of like the uh, the guy from the Twilight Zone that breaks his spectacles right after the apocalypse. Oh, uh, the worst, yes, right. He's got all the time yeah, in the but world. Now he can't right? read. <laughs> now, now we can't read, right? So really, it depends. I'm just going to answer with an SEO. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Yeah, I you know I, it's hard to say. I guess if if I knew I was only living for thirty years, I feel like maybe you could just try to do everything you'd want to ever do in a lifetime in that thirty years. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah. Well, um, uh, unfortunately, I'd be dead. Because <laughs> I was going to say, this seems like an easy one. Shouldn't you just say a thousand at this point? I mean, <laughs> go go for a thousand. At some point in time, we'll figure out how to do it right. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a thousand years might be kind of fun though. And then you can see all the technology changes and you know all that kind of stuff. So, or get completely frustrated with society and then just wander off into the yeah. Wind. Just a, you're fifty two. Yeah, absolutely. Dang, dude, you look yep. great. What is your secret? <laughs> Cigars and whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, does he, has, he seen, has he seen The Office? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Cigars and whiskey are part of our regular routine around here. Keeps you young. Um, well, I got four kids that keep me young, and uh, they're, all, they're all in in different grades. I got a 22-year-old all the way down to an 11-year-old. Okay. So it keeps me youthful because we have been entertaining uh, our our uh, passion for Batman for about that amount of time, and it keeps me gives me the ability to go into the toy aisle again and again and again until until the eleven year old goes into college, and 
then I'm not able to play anymore. That's why. That's how I can keep myself youthful and vigorous. <laughs> when you got grandchildren, you can still use that excuse later. You know, that's right. Grand, grandkids down the road, maybe. You know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, it never ends. <laughs> how old's your oldest? Uh, Twenty-two. Oh wow. Okay, so you have an eleven-year-old and a twenty-two-year-old. Yeah, 11, 22, uh, 15, and a nineteen-year-old. Oh wow. Okay, so you're yeah. you're coming on the uh, the second half of all that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. And then you got your buddy Jacob here online, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the producer of Edge of the Web. Yep, uh, I'm here. How's it going, guys? So good. Thanks for hanging out with us as well. Have you been part yeah. of Edge of the Web the whole time? No, just the last three years. Okay, uh, so that's when it got really around. good. I yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. I like it. I'll take it. Actually, we we actually did really really change up uh, everything about about three years ago. Okay, we made some changes. Yeah, and uh, that, and that actually uh, moved a, a lot of a lot of traffic, a lot of downloads, and uh, uh, a lot of. Uh, areas of curation that we hadn't been doing before. So whenever he came, came in, he, he kind of started breaking things all over the place and started to, started to fix it up a little bit better. That's right. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, hey, Aaron, I want to ask you uh, just a little bit about how you got in. SEO is one of those things I feel like is a ominous, scary thing to talk about. You know, it's like yeah. we all know we need it, but we don't know how and why. And, and what so, is it? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I'd, I'd be curious to kind of hear a little bit about your origin story. And you know, we're talking about Batman and, uh, oh, you know, where you, you, <laughs> did your parents get, you know, killed by the Joker <laughs> and you got put into a cave and raised by bats. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on a second. Hold on. I have to correct the, correct the, uh, the, the, the lineup here. Joe chill actually killed Batman, okay. not the Joe, uh, not, uh, the Batman's parents, not the Joker. Okay. All right. Just, right. Me, all right. So all right, I apologize. Story. Just be careful. But what's your Uh, origin story? (laughs) Uh, I was about to use a line from the jerk, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I grew up a poor. (laughs) (laughs) You'll say it. Go ahead and say it. I won't. All right. Um, So I uh, I started. uh, uh, I was I started in college in philosophy, if you can believe it, and crossed over to uh, computer science as my major because. The only thing that I could see as a career path was in philosophy was teaching philosophy to jerks like me that were actually taking the course, <laughs> and I didn't want to. I didn't want to put up with a, a classroom of me's. Right? right. So I went over to computer science, started learning code, learning uh, the back end of things, and actually started uh, my first company actually with my father uh, way back when, when we were actually before the internet setting up bulletin board systems. And these okay. are dial-in bulletin board systems where you can connect with your with your modem. It's like uh, war games. It absolutely is <laughs> like war games. And Would I you can like actually, to play a game? <laughs> Let me sign into the message board. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can actually tell the tones of different modems, so that dates me right there. Um, but uh, we were setting up a uh, bulletin board system for organic farmers, right? Because they all have these different markets that they're bringing their wares to market. And we wanted to, we went around the city and said, hey, post when you're going to be someplace. And this we're building a, group, a community here, and they'll be able to see you know, your schedule and be able to lock, it, lock in and be able to schedule time to be able to go there. So it was... Talk about organic, you know, in SEO. That was my first organic push, but is getting organic farmers together. Well, 
They really didn't get it because the internet didn't exist back then. Hmm. So it was just a bunch of, hey, everybody's going to dial in this system. Well, who are they? Why do they? Why are they dialing into your computer, right? Right. They didn't really get it, but at the, at the end of the day, I was able to set up uh, – uh, my first websites because part of the bulletin board ber- service, it actually had a web server combined to that. So I could, act, it was the first browser. It was on a Mozilla browser or something like that, or a knockoff of that. Anyway, I was able to actually start designing my own websites and then turned into, uh, turned it into another company that was called digital indie web publications where for Indianapolis, we were just starting to build websites for businesses around. So I ran that for a few years and then, um, Jumped, jumped out of that ship and started just my career path with different marketing firms because that, at that point in time, the web was still new and all these different marketing firms were punching out all the, all the regular collateral, right, all the brochures, the, the business cards, but now they have to build this website that's got to match the collateral that they're designing, right? So they had no idea how to do this. So I turned into the web, web guru uh, in these different uh, organizations. And then I started saying, hey, there's this thing called a search engine out there. Can we, you know, people are coming to these, to these, the marketing firms here with their, I mean, their, their entire, you know, nest egg saying, we're going to invest in this to be able to create um, our, our brand. And uh-huh. there was no thought towards online visibility to the people that don't know your brand, right? Right. So I started developing methodology here in Indiana, one of the earlier adopters of of SEO, and this is way back, way back when. Yeah, Netscape. uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) You got AltaVista, you got Lycos, you've got uh, obviously Yahoo out there. I mean, Google came around a little bit later in the game, but uh, the whole point was to be able to start creating uh, content out there that could actually get to the non-branded user. And... uh, that was kind of like a third rail. No marketing firms really wanted to touch it because they didn't want to be accountable to the uh, success or failure, right? And I got a, I got, I got kind of a perspective of marketing at that point in time. It's kind of like weathermen. You don't want to really be that accountable, <laughs> right? And, and uh, nobody would actually, no, no business, either business owners or different, different in, uh, individuals that I was actually pitching this concept to, really wanted to grab a hold of it because they didn't know it. They certainly couldn't. It wasn't tangible to them, right? Mm. And they certainly didn't want to be held accountable if something went wrong. That That's super interesting because it's like one, it's like, oh, this is actually kind of measurable, but it's like, oh, let's not do something that's too measurable because then it'll, we'll look bad. That's that's fascinating. It, it was, it, you know, it's, it's the, the space of, you know, the, the direct mail pieces that these firms are sending out here. If they got a, a 2.5% conversion, however they, mention, they measured conversions, then that was a success. Well, if it wasn't a success, they had no way of actually measuring what didn't go right on that, that direct mail piece. It, conventional marketing has always been, to me, uh, a bit of a, a roll of the dice, but you really don't know what you're, what you're creating there. You've got atmosphere, you've got aesthetics, you've got brand, you've got brand equity, all these things that are, 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 are true factors, but how do you improve the success? Right. You know, step over step over step. And that's why, that's why I was in digital, because it just, just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
That hundred percent makes sense. So then, so you were doing that at several different firms and you were trying to pitch it to other firms too. Is that, yeah, is that yeah, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, like, yeah. Hey, this is what you guys should be doing. Like I can help you figure this out. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. And I did a stint as an art director at a cable company. We were doing mm-hmm. some experimental fiber optic delivery on set top boxes where I was programming the electronic program guys and cool, cool things like that. That's where I started learning about learning about layer seven video where you could possibly insert ads during the stream and different locations on the screen to be able to have mm-hmm. that interact. If you, if you wanted to buy that Coke right there at that time. The technology was starting where we could intercept that feed and be able to put some clickable element there, which would take people off screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never really actually took hold in that degree, but it was neat. It was neat technology. Hmm. So anyway, yeah. going forward, I, I, I jumped into uh, uh, conventional uh, website development. I was a project manager for a number of different firms where we were developing some higher-end type of – this is during the dot-com era – and some some larger projects where we're just dealing with a lot of Microsoft developers and such. Um, but ultimately, around 2004, as I was working with different marketing firms, and the, the marketing firm I was working with got sold out, right? And evidently, we all had to now reapply for our job with the other company. I'm like, dude, I got a book of knowledge here about SEO that is absolutely working. Let's, let's set up a discipline in this new company. They say, no, we're not interested. All right, check, please. So I went ahead and set up my new <laughs> company then because I was, I was tired of getting jerked around because this thing was real, and it was just not, not adopted in the Midwest. You know, the East Coast and the West Coast were three to four years ahead, and there was stuff going on. It's like, all right. right. So set it up in 2004. Yeah, it's like uh, you could see the promise of it yeah, and yeah. see the – See, like, just how great it could be, but nobody understood it enough to give you a shot to, like, really implement something and make a no. difference. That's always frustrating. Now, and, you know, the Midwest was a bit behind, and it was still that is that extended collateral mindset of just brochureware, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So jumped into my own organization and really uh, the tagline was strategic and successful websites, right? And trying to make that promise right there Mm. on the tagline. So started to develop my skills and uh, brought in talent and started to kind of try to create this think tank here at Site Strategics. Um, And uh, we've, we've progressed over the years and uh, developed an entire digital marketing suite. Uh, We also don't, really do anything in the conventional marketing space, right? So we actually have some relationships with a really cool agency. We actually live in the same building with them here. So we can actually pass print material, print jobs up there. They, t- they pass digital marketing jobs to us. So it's a real cool uh, synergy there. That's the only time I'm going to use synergy in this interview. <laughs> twice, I, I did it twice. Do you do you <laughs> yeah. verbally insert keywords just in case we're transcribing this? Are you like oh, SC- yeah. are you like Absolutely. optimizing this conversation right now? Well, like, if you're that- looking for an SEO podcast, I can tell you about SEO podcasts. And there's a number of SEO podcasts that are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I was going to ask you, uh, Aaron, about, you know, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about the qualities of a person that could do what you do and be really good at it. And I'm thinking about things like, you, I mean, philosophy and like, well, even like psychology, actually, I think of like psychology, it seems like a big part of SEO. I feel like technical, yeah. like the ability to understand technical stuff. And then like a love of learning, like constant learning. Cause I feel like SEO is one of the fastest changing 
waves of marketing probably of all time. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but that's no, no, you are. It's moving way too quick on a regular basis. <laughs> right. Things break all the time. Right. And I mean, I was going to say like, that's one reason I love your podcast edge of the web radio, because it's like, it really is like edge of the web is like the perfect word, the perfect name for it too, because it's like things are constantly changing and like on a weekly basis, you can get what's up to date. And like our SEO specialist, uh, she listens to it all the time and it's just oh, so cool. helpful. Yeah. Like I was going to say, so I was just thinking like, what do you think it takes? Does it, what does it take to, to be like a good SEO specialist? Like what are some of the qualities mm-hmm. that you have to be to, to um, be able to do that? Uh, I appreciate the compliments. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think, what helped me early on is the philosophy uh, major that I took is that, that was, that's been kind of my rudder of understanding because when it gets down to it, and more importantly, the logic side of things is that what we're experiencing right now in, in search, it's the patterns of logic and, and, the, and, and Bayesian logic, which is actually more of a predictive analysis of, of decision tree uh, flow, and this is exactly what we where we are right now with, with not exactly. There's a lot more than than one particular logic uh, theorem, but understanding how logic works, how philosophy works, understanding sociology, 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 but also also understanding the computer side of things, the coding side of things. It kind of prepped me for what was to come. So Google was was filing patents in t- two thousand four, right? And even as to even at the point of t- uh, what was it two thousand eleven, uh, they were submitting patents against the knowledge graph, right? Well, knowledge graph existed before Google. It was a it was a concept of organizing things, right? So Google's just catching up to logic and catching up to philosophy and. It gave me a, a, a bit of a leg up understanding this is where we're going. And now we're in this space where we've got semantic search. We've got the knowledge graph, knowledge panels, how Google's actually understanding the concept of things, right? And how it's actually understanding the relationship between things. Uh, not to get too esoteric, but the, uh, the point is, is that that got, I, I had that bead on things uh, a good deal earlier than most here, at least in the state. Yeah, that makes sense. And what would you say, like, since you do have a background in philosophy, what do you think, I mean, what is SEO? Like, what do you think, like, I know there's so many different ways you could answer that. You could talk about, yeah. like, what it does for a business, you know, what is it technically, but, like, how do you think about SEO? Like, what's, what do you, how do you wrap your mind around what SEO is? Uh, that's kind of morphed uh, for me over the years and what, uh, kind of from the tactical to the conceptual uh, is that SEO is the clarity of knowledge online. Hmm. Okay? Is that if you're... So, for example, if you're doing doing a focus on technical SEO, you're really trying to remove impediments of how Google could actually understand your content. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. If if you have bloated JavaScript, you are condensing that to make sure that it's not, a, it's not wasting crawl time or wasting processing time. If you're... If you don't have inline links between different pages, Google's looking for that because it, it's looking for that relationship connection of I- information and services. So, so the moving the tactical out of the way, the, the concept is really Google is trying to understand the world. The AI mm-hmm. is in charge of that of that space. We're still we still have it 
tethered. Yeah. <laughs> right. At some point bit, in time, yeah, it's going to turn. It's going to turn into Skynet <laughs> at some point in time. But right, while right. we're here and in control of it, <laughs> since we're um, not living and, a thousand years, we don't have to worry ex- about exactly. That. Anyway, we don't yeah. have to worry about that. <laughs> um, it, it, what's happening is is we've. We've um, we've evolved. Our technology has evolved into understanding kind of the clarity and, and and what things are about, what subject matter is expertise, what can be trusted, and it really is the the entire impetus is to be able to not only persuade but be able to make a promise to the users that this is the best information that you can find on a particular topic, and Google has all the pieces of the algorithm to be able to see if it can trust your information as opposed to other other points of information out there. That's SEO in my book. Mm, cool. And I think, you know, one, th- one thing that's helped me, and you, I would love to get your take on this and if this is accurate or a helpful way of thinking about it, but one thing that the way I've wrapped my ma- mind around SEO in a practical way for, for our business is just thinking about like, um, like, a guiding way of thinking about how to create helpful content for SEO. So I think about, this is more, I guess, probably more on-site SEO, but it's basically like, hey, how can I create, how can I answer questions or provide useful information to people that are looking for it and try to make useful information for people that are more likely to uh, be a purchaser of our product based on the thing they're searching. And I don't know what the right terminology to say all that, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, hey, if somebody is like uh, looking up, hey, how much does web design cost? And if I have a web design agency, that could maybe be a good search. Or maybe they're mm-hmm. a little bit more the intent to purchase soon or might be like, mm-hmm. what are good platforms to build a website on? And if I provide a good article about what I recommend and then say, hey, if you want us to help you, then here you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, how would you think about that? Is that a helpful? Is that still a helpful or smart strategy? I know that's probably only a very small piece of SEO, but is that a smart strategy to think about? Hey, what would my customers be searching for, and how can I provide helpful information to them right before they're ready to make a purchase in whatever I offer? Does that make sense? And, and is that does, is that a good yeah. strategy still? And how big of a piece of the puzzle is that? Is that just a very small piece of the puzzle? It's actually the preeminent strategy now. The pendulum has swung from a place where content was king and the glut of content that was, that was, was moving the needle on on brands mm-hmm. where, I mean, we've got the digital savvy audience now that can sniff the lack of authenticity in a piece mm-hmm. of content, lack, the lack of help. And everybody sees a clickbait article. They know what it is. Everybody sees a salesy article or a blog post or a piece of content. So, the, the digital society has pushed away from that and they've trained via Google and the other search engines to actually sniff that out. So, I mean, August, August 16th was a, a day where they rolled out the kind of the helpful, cla- uh, helpful content classifier, which was kind of an automatic process of actually reviewing content to see things that are spammy, that have been written by mm-hmm. uh, AI and the like. So we're in this glut of, of, of content right now that, we're using AI to create the content for efficiency, right? But it's still not helpful. So Google has kind of laid down the the, the, the gauntlet going, your content needs to be helpful. Mm-hmm. If it's not, stop mm. writing it. Get the stuff out of the way that wasn't helpful. So they're actually tripling down here because they've also been, in the, in the annals of the last eight months, they've been updating product review algorithm uh, factors. And what that means is that 
the best way, I mean, there, there's been an entire industry of making money off of the reviews of products and pointing out and then having all their mm -hmm. Amazon referral links or any other e-commerce referral links out there. So they spin up an article, do you know, compare and contrast a particular couple of products here and make money off it. Well, Google has been going after that, kind of training its algorithm saying, if you're not really giving helpful information about why these products are different, right, then you're you're not valuable in in the space of of transaction the whole your money your life concept. So mm -hmm. they've been digging at the concept mm -hmm. of being helpful at the product level. Now they've brought it to the main stage and are actually rolling this out. Going, you're all needing to be helpful. You're all needing to be careful of the type of content that you put out there. And that's combined with what's called the Quality Raiders Guideline from Google. That was a document that was rolled out about six years ago. That's a training guide for the evaluators of the algorithm itself. And hmm. inside that document, there's like 375 references to the, to the word helpful, this, this last update. Wow. Mm -hmm. So Google is is impacting its content with and its in its uh, kind of best guideline documents with helpful information and don't do harm type of uh, type of instructions. All that's right in front of us, and I guess the, the kind of make a long story even longer is that the that the engine is a sounding board to what we're wanting to have. So we're wanting more and more helpful content, not the glut, not the, the trash that's out there. And we're we're wanting that in our search results, so the algorithm's now forcing us into that. I think by the very nature of how we've immersed into, into digital, we're now wanting to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff and say, we want to have that content out there that's the most valuable to us. So everything's kind of come back around to, to, uh, to plumb of, hey, you're not you're not spinning people. You're not marketing for marketing's sake. You have to be helpful. You have to tell me about this product and guide me over to other thoughts of things that I should know about this product or service. And there's stages along the way. It's not just transactional. It's the awareness of a concept or of a problem to the decision making or the or the uh, comparison stage. And it's that whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Point is, is that people need your help. And need your kind of your customer advocacy from a from a from a business stand, standpoint, and th those pieces of content are going to win the day in Google's eyes more than anything else. And they should have been winning the day all this while, right? Yeah, that that's was, interesting. And I feel like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's really encouraging too, because in some ways, I feel like in the past someone would maybe write a blog post about a particular topic just because they needed to rank or wanted to rank for that idea of video production or why you need this. But the it was very vapid or hollow of an article where yep. now it's kind of like, all right, let me actually write something that comes maybe from more personal experience and kind of more humanizes the content and mm -hmm. Google seeing that as a more beneficial piece of, of content. So then as a small business, someone who's a freelancer, you know, out there trying to, to, um, you know, win business, it makes more sense for them just to have more authentic, mm -hmm. you know, high quality content because yeah, that's the worst. I hate like when I get on YouTube and I search for a video and then it's like some robots reading the product 
like uh, stats of each one <laughs> oh, of these yeah, things. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not helpful. Like <laughs> nope. I don't need a robot reading me the, the product stats and like, you know, the sales marketing material that was given, you know, it's like someone made a video of these three products. And I'm like, I want someone who's actually used the products, tested them out and then can give me their honest feedback on mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, we've all, we're much more savvy in the marketplace here. All right. We're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to the Fridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs>